All right. Good evening, everyone. I hope you can uh, turn to Genesis chapter 17 for me. Appreciate Joe reading that for us tonight. And uh, caught me off guard. I'm like, hang on a minute. Isn't the Bible reading supposed to go before the offering? That just goes to show that we need to not just make everything the same every week and just mix it up a little bit, hey? So Genesis 17, that's why the President of the United States is not here. It's me instead. Uh, So sorry about that if that's what you're expecting. Um, although, shout out to Paul. Thanks for the huge big rev this morning. Like, Andrew's preaching tonight. That's why no one's here. Yay. No, just kidding. I do appreciate everyone that's come uh, because the Word of God is relevant no matter there's one or a hundred people here. Amen. Um, so, just a quick update. Pastor told me that TNS down in Sydney, the Young Adults Conference, has been going really well. Uh, I believe this was their last day um, and said that our young adults, a lot of our young adults, made some really good decisions and commitments to the Lord. Uh, You can see that beautiful looking group there. Um, Aaron Davis, that's like a classic Aaron Davis. Every group photo, he's on the ground in front of everyone else. And I'm pretty sure he would have done that. And then Pastor Skelly went, hey, that's a good idea. I'm going to join him. Um, So that's our contingent that went down with a few extras from Sydney. Um, But yeah, Pastor wanted to thank you for praying and also just let you know that he really does miss not being here. Um, I guess... It can be like, oh, they're down in Sydney and they're doing church as well. Um, Maybe they forgot about us. But it actually, if you've ever gone away from here and gone to another church and then come back, you realise, actually, I did did miss being here. I missed missed what was going on here and I miss seeing the people that I normally see. So they're not down there just partying and forgetting about us. They actually do miss what's going on back here as well. All right, everyone's looking at the photo and not listening to me. So, yeah, you can just get rid of that. Um, all right, so Genesis 17, uh, we'll look at that in just a moment. Um, but I do, I do, I am thankful for, I'm thankful for that Young Adults Conference. I think that's really good for our nation, uh, for our young people, our young adults, um, to have something like that. Uh, we do youth camps and other things like that, and I think that's just as important. So I appreciate them putting that on. And I also just want to reiterate that I'm thankful for our conference that we got to have, and just seeing that little highlight reel. Um, brought back some memories of even just friendships that were made over that time and just what the Lord has done uh, through us and in us. So continue to pray uh, for those who made decisions through conference and just pray that we can continue to host it and be a blessing uh, in years to come. All right, so Genesis 17, uh, we'll look at that in just a moment. Uh, But I want to tell you that the other day, uh, we've got um, Nathan Holloway staying with us while Danny and Jen were down in Sydney. Um, and he and I were doing some very spiritual activity the other day. We were playing a video game, and because everyone does that when they want to be spiritual. And when we were playing, his character kept dying because he's really not that good at the game. Uh, so I had to instruct him how to play properly. Um, but his character kept dying, and I don't know if this is what, if that what is what made him think of this statement that he was going to say. But that happened, and then he said, "You know, I was thinking the other day. You know, we." I really only do just have this one life on earth. And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, so there's really not much stopping me from just doing what I can when I can right now. And I'm like, 100%, man. Like, that, that's an excellent thing, an excellent way to approach your life and approach uh, a mindset for what you're going to do with your life. And that just kind of stuck with me because we know that, like, instinctively we know that. We only have this life, Right. And if you're a Christian, definitely you know that because of what the Bible says. But just to point that out, that, you know what, we do need to do what we can while we can 
whether you are his age, whether you are my age or someone older, uh, we need to do what we can while we can. And that made me think about this, this kind of topic that I'm going to talk about tonight, talking about approaching victory. So when God puts something before you that you can take as a victory, a, a spiritual victory, and our approach to it, and I was thinking, you know what, we do only have this one life, and there are victories to be had, and God never sets the Christian up for failure. Well, he never sets anyone up for failure. But he knows you only have this one life to live, so it's anything I'm going to put before you is not to make you fail, it's to make you victorious, it's to give you an opportunity to have that spiritual victory. And that's what I want to talk about tonight is approaching spiritual victory or potential spiritual victories. Um, and I'll make this statement, victories aren't just handed over. They're not just handed out. They're not just you know, free tokens for a, a free spiritual victory. Um, they're actually not given out. They're called a victory because they're won. They have to be fought for. Someone has to labour for it. Like, it's not just something that's given out. And any advancement for the Lord will be a fight. It'll be a fight against enemies. Like Paul said this morning that we have enemies. Like It's just a, a thing that we endure in this life. Uh, it might be a fight against enemies. It might be just a fight against the day that we live in, the world that we live in. Uh, the, the environment, the culture and the time that we live in. Um, but it is also can be a fight against self, against our own flesh or our own heart, which obviously the Bible says is, is wicked and deceitful. And I would submit, and this is just my opinion, that I think the fight against self is probably one of the most prevalent ones that we face in our day and age. That we, we don't have a lot of people... Uh, attacking us physically a lot, you know. Uh, I don't know if that's if that's your case, but I, I don't have anyone coming to me all the time and physically attacking me. Um, even this world, yeah, it, you know, it has its, its battles and its struggles, but I find the biggest struggle, the biggest battle that I have, or the biggest enemy is myself. It's my own heart. It's, it's me wanting to do my way all the time. Um, and we need to get victory in some of these areas. So, uh, there's many parallels that we see in the Bible, and we're going to look in Deuteronomy in just a moment. I know we're still going to be in Genesis, but there's many parallels in the Bible with the nation of Israel and God's people, Christians, the church. Uh, it's not, not everything is the same, but there are many parallels. They were God's people, we're God's people. They had very real enemies, and theirs were different to the ones that we have, but we face the same kind of enemies. We're faced with things that are the enemy of God. Um, we'll see in a moment that they had a promised land to inherit and we have victories that God wants us to inherit or partake of. So there's a lot of parallels there and in a moment I'm going to talk about the things that we can see that we can learn from their entering into a promised land and us entering into some spiritual victory. But the group of Israelites that we all know about, they were standing before the promised land and they were standing there uh, because God had, had given a promise that they were going to inherit that land. You're in Genesis 17. Just have a look at one verse here, verse number 8. <clears throat> and, he, and God promised this to Abraham. And he said this in verse 8, And I will give unto thee and to thy seed after thee, and that's these people standing before the promised land right now, the land wherein thou art a stranger, all the land of Canaan, for an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. And they're standing there. Think about this. If you're one of those Israelites standing there and you already know that your fathers before you 
are not inheriting this land and it wasn't because God set them up to fail to never actually enter in. It's because they didn't approach that victory like God intended them to approach it. They didn't do what God instructed them to do to actually take it on. So they're standing here going, okay, now we're in the same shoes that our fathers were in. We have a choice to make. We can be like they were or we can do something different and follow God and take this inheritance that is laid out for us, this inheritance that is promised us. And God back then and still now desires his people, Christians, to live a victorious life, to live a devoted life, to, to live a, an established life. So if you will, will you turn to Deuteronomy chapter 20? And I'm going to, I guess, just look at this whole chapter. There's about 20 verses in this chapter and just pull some things out that show us, you know, there is a quite a lot of similarity between them and us in attaining spiritual victory. And I'm sure we will understand that the land of Canaan or the promised land is, was not a picture of heaven because sin, sin is not in heaven. It's a picture of the victorious Christian life. And so we can have that. We have access to that if we do things the way that God wants us to do them. So Deuteronomy chapter 20, we'll have a look at a few verses in just a moment. And my first point is this, is that spiritual victories don't come from trial and error. Spiritual victories don't come from trial and error. God always impresses us to taste and see, to trust and obey. Uh, you, you won't find that phrase, trust and obey, like that in the Bible. Uh, but there's many verses that talk of trusting and obeying. There is a verse that says, taste and see, the Lord is good. And it doesn't come from just trying, trying, failing, failing, and then magically, oh, one day I got it right, and now I have a spiritual victory. It doesn't come from that. God always gives instruction when there's a change to take place. God always gives instruction when there's an area of our life that needs to be claimed or maybe reclaimed for him. And there are spiritual victories in our lives waiting to happen, and we've got the choice, like I said, of being the first group of Israelites that stood before the Promised Land, or the second group who actually ended up entering into it and taking it like God intended them to take it the first time. So my, I've got a few questions for you, and then we'll get stuck into here. Question number one, what battle do you need to fight to live the victorious Christian life? And it might be a big thing. It might be a huge thing. It might be the biggest thing that you've face. Maybe something came to you at conference and God just impressed upon you, you know what, I need to get that thing sorted. I need, to, I need to get victory in that area of my life. But you know what, it might be a very small thing. It might be something that he's also been prodding you and poking you about, but it's just a very small thing that you just haven't taken care of. You haven't fought that battle. You haven't approached it the way God wants you to. Because we all have something. Uh, what is occupying land, maybe in your heart, that should be devoted to God? What is taking place of the land or the area that God should be occupying? Something else is there right now. Question is this, will you fight for it? If there's something there that shouldn't be there, if there's a spiritual victory to have, are you going to fight for it? Because it's one thing to know that there is a battle that can be had and it's another thing to actually enter into that battle. And the last one is this, how are you going to approach it? Okay, I'm decided that I'm going to fight this battle. I know there's an enemy or there's land that needs to be occupied and I want to fight, but how am I going to do that? 
Well, that's what God does here in Deuteronomy 20, is he gives this list of instructions to his people of this is how you're supposed to enter into this land. This is what I want you to be aware of and I want you to know. So let's have a look at these things. So number one, Deuteronomy 20. First of all, when approaching victory, I want you to remember this word, remember. Remember. Look at verse 1. It says this, When thou goest out to battle against thine enemies and seest horses and chariots and a people more than thou. Remember that anything worth fighting for is always going to be more than you can handle on your own. But it's not going to be bigger than the Lord God. So just remember that. And, and Paul, you almost preached my message this morning, bro, because a lot of things you said, I'm like, dang it, that's mine. Well, you took it. Because he said something very similar to that, that anything that we face is going to be bigger than us. Like we, we can't do it in our own strength. We have to have the Lord helping us. And God starts here with verse 1 straight up to these people saying, you've got to realise there's going to be people more than you. Like these chariots, horses, these people, it's going to outnumber you like ridiculous million to one kind of thing. But don't forget that I'm actually bigger than them. So yeah, there's a battle. That, there's something I want you to change and take place and all that. But don't be put off by the fact that they're bigger than you because I'm bigger than them. So just, just remember that. Just, just keep that in the back of your head. So that's the first thing. We need to remember that God's bigger than our enemies. God's bigger than what we need to, to battle for. Uh, he goes on in verse 1 to say, Be not afraid of them, for the Lord thy God is with thee, which brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. Remember the God that's brought you past victories. Because God doesn't just do one thing in a person's life. I mean, salvation, yes, that's like, that's like the biggest thing that he does in a person's life, really. But he continues to work in your life and he continues to bring you through things. And you look at the Israelites here, they were brought up out of Egypt. That was one thing God did. But he continued to guide and direct and bring them through different things and trials. And he's saying, hey, just, just remember what I've already done for you because this is something you haven't reached yet before, but I'm still that same God that brought you up out of Egypt. And that phrase, that kind of him reminding that he's brought them up out of Egypt, it comes up around about 80-something times in the Old Testament and most of them before this point. And so he's just saying, hey, just don't forget what I've already done because changing something um, big in your life or small can be quite daunting because it's just that area of the unknown. It's that area of being uncomfortable. But he's just reassuring that I'm still that same God that can help you with something you've never encountered before. Okay, So remember, God's bigger than our enemies, but remember past victories. And if you have a quick browse over verses 2 to 4, uh, I want to just say this, remember those who remind you about what God has for you. Because the priest here was instructed to come and tell them some of these things that Joe read for us tonight. You know, don't be fearful. Uh, the Lord's going to fight for you. He's going to be with you. Just remember those who are inputting into your life. You know, it might be the person that's standing up here giving forth the word of God. But it might be the person in your household that encourages you with something that God has for you. It might be a text message from a friend that is just what you need at the time. You know, it might be your Sunday school teacher from years ago. You know, it could be anyone. Um, that, that's the kind of stuff that God uses. Those are the kind of people God uses. So remember them and be thankful for them. 
uh, once again, Paul, he, he stole that. Be thankful because that's one of the things that we've got to do. We've got to continually remind ourselves of these things and bring them before the Lord. That's how our heart changes. That's how then we see this battle before us in a different light. We don't see it as daunting and scary as much anymore because we're like, oh, that's right. God brought me through that other thing that was daunting and scary at that time. But now I can go forward because he's going to help and fight my battles for me and with me. So first one is remember. When you approach victory, remember. Second one is this. When approaching victory, respect. Yes, they do all start with R, usually R-E. Okay, I tried to. I tried to do it. Uh, When approaching victory, respect. Have a look here, verse 5 down to verse 8. It says this. And the officers shall speak unto the people, saying, What man is there that hath built a house, a built a new house, and hath not dedicated it? Let him go and return to his house, lest he die in the battle, and another man dedicate it. So he's starting here to say, hey, officers, tell everyone that if there's people that need to go and sort some things out, they're allowed to be excused from the battle. So he starts with those who've built a new house and haven't dedicated it yet. And then he goes into verse 6. He said, if you planted a vineyard and you haven't eaten from it yet, go and do that. Let that person die in battle and then someone else takes it and someone else uh, reaps the benefit from it. Verse 7, what man is there that has betrothed a wife and hath not taken her? Same thing. Unless he die in the battle and another person take his wife, let him go home to her. Let him go from the battle back home. Uh, Verse 8, and the officers shall speak further unto the people and shall say, What man is there that is fearful and faint-hearted? Let him go and return unto his house, lest his brethren's heart faint as well as his heart. So wouldn't that be a tragedy if there's someone that's forced into this battle that is quite scared and faint-hearted and is a little bit contagious and causing other people to also be likewise and then more people get taken out than probably if that person just stayed out. So it's almost like God's going, giving a bit of a leave pass because not everyone's cut out to be the soldier type. Not everyone's cut out to be that frontline person in the battle. There are some other things that can be taken care of and we're going to give that opportunity for those people to go and, and sort out what they need to sort out. Okay. So these officers say this and I, I'm using this word respect. They respected the fact that Although this battle was necessary, this is something that God put before them, they understood that for the benefit of everyone, that not everyone's contribution to this battle was going to be identical. Not everyone was going to contribute exactly the same thing or exactly the same amount. They were all going to benefit from it, but not everyone's role was exactly the same. And you might say, well, what's this got to do with spiritual victory and and like me in my life? Well, I think this comes a little bit more relevant when we think of families, when we think of larger groups, ministries, when we think of even a bigger group like this whole church, that there's going to be things God says, I want for Good Shepherd Baptist Church, but not everyone's going to be on the front line to achieve that or to attain that. I want something for Good Shepherd Baptist Church or maybe for that ministry in Good Shepherd Baptist Church, but that person there, they need to like do what they're doing over here and work on this and these other ones are going to be doing this and it's for the benefit of the whole group. And it's not so that each person can go, oh, well, they didn't contribute just as much as it's not to do that. It's seeing that there's a benefit for the whole group, so let's do this effectively. So this is what's happening here with, with the nation of Israel, that God's saying, all right, well, for the health of the whole body, 
and for this battle to be effective, let's, let's sort it out like this. So we can all identify some enemies and hindrances to victory, even if we took your family or even if we took this church. We can all say, okay, I can identify some stuff. But that doesn't mean you're going to be the pivotal person leading the charge in that. You might help along somehow. You might have a role to play somehow, but you may not necessarily be on the front line. So zealousness for change is good, but not everyone is cut out to be a soldier. And I'm just glad that God shows that, you know, there's a bit of a grey, I guess you could say a grey area here, that not everyone has to be exactly the same. Uh, I remember I was uh, challenged, this is years ago now, um, probably when the kids were like nine and seven years old, um, I was challenged about, okay, you should really do a, like a month, a one-month media fast for, for yourself and for your family. So, you know, don't watch like movies on the TV, um, you know, uh, take, don't play any games on your phone, that kind of thing. And so I was just challenged about that. I'm like, yeah, we really should do that. So I'm like, all right, Nicole, this is what we're doing. We're not going to be watching TV. We're not going to be watching movies. Obviously, you have to use the internet for work and stuff like that. Um, just don't open a tab and play another game. No, I'm just kidding. Um, and I'm like, okay, so this is what we're going to do. So this is what I said like years ago. And we were doing it. And I just remember getting towards the end of it. And obviously, the kids are seven and nine. And it's like, you know, I'm not the kind of parent that just wants to put a screen in front of their kids so they can just be entertained. Like, I, I, I don't like that. Um, but I remember we were away for a few nights down the coast and there were some other people there in the hotel with us and, um, you know, the TV was on and there was some movie on and it was fine. There was nothing bad for them to watch. And I'm, and I'm like having a conversation with someone and I can see the TV out of the corner of my eye. I can see my kids sitting on the couch and I'm like, just sorry, just wait. Um, guys, you're not allowed to watch that. So can you like you know, sit over here and like do something else kind of thing? They probably don't even remember it. And I just remember going, oh, I'm thinking, yeah, this is the right thing to do. Like I've got to lead the charge for my family, like to have this media fast kind of thing. And then I got to doing that. And afterwards I'm like, I think it was more for me. Like God was trying to teach me something. It wasn't necessarily that I had to make sure everyone does exactly the same thing. No one's allowed to watch a minute of TV. Like, do you get what I'm saying? Like it was, it was a little bit like that. And I just went... Okay, some things are for me. Maybe in the home, parents have to take the brunt of leading something like that. And maybe in a ministry or a church, some leaders might have to take the brunt of some of that stuff. So we should never, when God's trying to make a change and bring us to spiritual victory, be judging whether someone else did as much as I did. Because that may not be how God wants it to play out. So we have to have respect in that regard, understand in that regard. Okay, so we need to remember, we need to respect. And the third one is this, when approaching victory, restructure, restructure. Uh, there were nations that God wanted his people to be rid of, 100%. He said, I just want you to, to deal with those, wipe those ones out. But then there were some outlying cities that he didn't require that of them. So there were some outlying cities that uh, were not part of the nations that he said to wipe out. And this is what he says in regard to these outer cities. If you have a look here in verses 10 to 12, it says, When thou comest nigh unto a city to fight against it, then proclaim peace unto it. And it shall be, if it make thee answer of peace and open unto thee, then it shall be that all the people that is found therein shall be tributaries unto thee, and they shall serve thee. Verse 12, And if it will make no peace with thee, but will make war against thee, then thou shalt besiege it. So 
Like I said, there was these, these nations or these cities on the outer of the area that God promised to them. And he's saying, when you approach these people, um, approach them differently than I'm going to ask you to approach the land of Canaan and these other nations. He's saying, I want you to come to them and approach with peace. I want you to take that approach. I don't want you to just go in there wielding your swords. Go in and approach with peace. And if they accept a peace offer, then okay, you can take those people and they basically become your tributaries and they will be your servants. But if they go, you know what, we don't want peace, we want to fight it out, then okay, you can besiege it and you can, you can take it then. But it's just interesting that God says, well, I don't want you to approach this in this way because if we look at our spiritual victories that we need to take hold of, sometimes we can go, you know what, just take it, just go aggressive, like, you know, full on, hostile. But God really never asks us to be hostile towards our enemies. and never actually really permits us to be hostile towards taking something out or towards changing something in our life. He never actually says that and he never really permits it. Um, so God gives this instruction to approach with peace. And I just said this, don't confuse the need for change with permission to be hostile or aggressive. He might say, well, I might not, I might not be aggressive, but what I mean by aggressive is... Make sure you're not making any rash choices, rash decisions. Just going in like something's got to change, so change this. Just be careful about doing that because there is things that God wants you to be specific about, but just make sure you're not making rash choices. Um, you know, God can bring peaceful change even with an enemy, even with like whether it's yourself or someone else or some other thing. He can bring change in a, in a peaceful way. It doesn't have to be aggressive. We don't have to be like other people. We don't have to be like the world will handle things like that. Uh, and he definitely does not model aggression himself. Um, you know, Joseph said, you thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good. He didn't fight back with aggression. He didn't go, you know what, I'm going get, to get these guys back. He said, I, I, can, I can do it peacefully. I can do it another way, God's way. And God never instructs us to be hostile towards our enemies. But I want you to notice this, and it's still talking about these outlying cities. Look in verse 13 and 14. It says this, And when the Lord thy God hath delivered it into thine hands, thou shalt smite every male thereof with the edge of the sword. But the women and the little ones and the cattle and all that is in the city, even all the spoil thereof, shalt thou take unto thyself. Now this stood out to, stood out to me because I'm like, okay, so God says if you're going to besiege it, maybe if they're the ones that don't, uh, agree to be peaceful about it. He says, smite every male, but the women and the children and the cattle, like, you can, you can take them. You can have them. You can enjoy the spoil. You can eat their stuff and, and take that stuff with you. And I thought, well, what's that about? And, you know, I thought, you know what? God has set the male as the authority in certain areas of life. That's just how God's laid things out. You can have a problem with it, but you can take it up with God. I mean, I'm okay with it. Not because I'm a male, because I believe how God's way is the best way. So he set the male as certain authority figures in institutions that he has set up. The family, the church. Like he said, you know, the male should be the head of the wife. The husband should be the head of the wife. You're very quiet. And I don't think it's because there's like not many people here. But that's how God set it up. So he, he said here smite every male and the women and the children and all that, you can, you can take them. And you know what I think he's trying to get out here is that 
some things need a restructure. Some things are like, need a little bit of a change in your life, but they need a new authority figure. They need a new master. They need to be set correctly to submit themselves to the right things. Now, I'm not talking about people. I'm talking about if there's a spiritual victory in your life that you need to attain, if there's something God says, you need to change, excuse me, you need to change this slightly, he's probably saying, you know, you don't have to take it all out. You just need God. So it needs a new master. It needs someone that it needs to submit to correctly. So take out that authority figure and put in one that is godly, put in one that glorifies God and set that thing to, to submit to God. Does that make sense? So he says that for these outlying cities, he says they need to, there needs to be a new leading, a new direction. Uh, it may be on an existing decision or an existing action uh, that you're taking. Uh, coming under submission to a new master. Why? For a better spiritual tone in our life. Because, how, like I said, God put the male in charge of certain areas to have a better spiritual tone for that area. Not to say that women cannot bring a good spiritual tone to an area, but how God set it up, the best way that it's set up, is that the male would bring that spiritual tone to that area. And so if there's something that's not quite submitted to God and it's not getting the best spiritual tone in that area, then it needs to be submitted to a better master. And so we get to have God as our ultimate master and see the areas in our life that maybe that one's not submitted to God so much, Maybe it's submitted to me too much. So I need to change that. I need to restructure that a little bit. And that's how we should approach some of these maybe less important areas of our life. Because like I said, these were the outlying cities. These were not the, the, the main event. These were not the, the big ones that God was having them to, to come in and take. So what are those outlying things for you? What are they? They're maybe they're an attitude. Maybe they're a viewpoint on a certain thing. That just needs to, to be tweaked slightly. Uh, a relationship that needs to come under the submission of God the Father. Because right now, maybe it's a relationship that you're just going with it however you want. But God says, I want you to submit that to me. Um, maybe I should have preached this down at TNS, Young Adults. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but it could be a whole bunch of different things, but it needs to, to submit it to the Lord. Okay, so restructure. You've got to remember that. Two more. We're going to be done. Quick. Okay, the next one is this. When approaching victory, rebuild. Rebuild. It's like we said, there were these outlying cities, maybe not the main thing, um, but they were also part of what God allowed them to, to, to take part of and to, to be blessed by. Um, and then there was the promised land, which was made up of these cities that God gave a clear promise regarding back in uh, Genesis. To Abraham. So look here in verse 16 to 18. <clears throat> it says this in verse 16. But of the cities of these people which the Lord thy God doth give thee for an inheritance, thou shalt save alive nothing that breatheth. Very different to those other cities. Verse 17. But thou shalt utterly destroy them. And then he goes on to say, Name of the Hittites, Amorites, Canaanites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites, as the Lord thy God hath commanded thee. So he's saying, I want you to do this thing, to, to enter into this land and to do it my way. I want you to save nothing alive. Take out everything, everything that breathes, not even a little animal, like just take it out. Interesting. Verse 18, why would he say that? That they teach you not to do after all their abominations which they have done unto their gods, so should ye sin against the Lord your God. 
So that's a very different approach to these other outlying cities. He's saying, this is something major I want you to possess. This is a spiritual victory I want you to have, Christian. And so you've got to rebuild. You've got to take everything out. There's something there that shouldn't be there. I don't want it to even live. Hey, have you ever seen those renovation shows where they go into an old barn or some old, you know, 10th century like village and go, I want to rebuild, I want to renovate this place and I want the nice exposed beams so it like pays homage back to that century or that era or that old owner, blah, 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 blah. And so it's this brand new house on the inside, brand new interior, brand new furniture and these wooden exposed beams or maybe it's a fireplace that like is the original fireplace. It's like, oh, that's a nice feature. That makes me think about like those old times or like who maybe used to live here or what life was like back then, God says, no, don't do that. When, you, when, when there's something that needs to be changed completely, don't hold on to these little features and to these other little things. Why? Because verse 18, they had gods that are going to cause you to be abomination to your God. They have things that you're going to hold on to, things that are going to influence you that you shouldn't even keep them around. These outlying cities, you can take their cattle and you can take their women and you can take their children and you can take you know, their food and stuff. That's fine because those ones aren't really going to be a problem. But when it comes to this thing that I want to change in your life, just wipe everything out and rebuild from the ground up. Start new, start fresh. Claim that land as it needs to be submitted and devoted 100% to God. And what is the thing in your life that is, is going to cause a problem if you don't do that. There's something that God's saying to you, hey, you need to get this right and you need to change this. You need to think about this differently. That relationship, that person, a person that you're talking to and spending time with, you just need to get them gone. You should get them out of your life. So he says, don't let anything, like, save alive nothing that breathes. Don't, don't bring any, like, trinkets. Don't have anything to show for it that this, this even used to exist. Just get rid of it. Just completely eradicate it. Nothing left. So you can't even say there was something there before. This is, this is now 100% dedicated to the Lord. This action, this thing that I'm doing, this investment that I'm making, this relationship that I'm having, uh, this ministry I want to be involved in, whatever the decision is, whatever the spiritual victory is to grab, make sure it's 100% rebuilt from the ground up for the Lord not holding on to other things or other ways of doing things. Or, oh, I didn't want to change that too much because it's a bit uncomfortable. Or, No, 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 just get rid of it. It's too important. And that's what God's saying here. It just needs to be gone. Save alive nothing that breatheth. This is God asking for complete surrender from us. It should be knocked down, rebuilt and devoted to him. And not every change, not every spiritual victory, not every decision is going to be this but some of them will be. That, I mean, that's what salvation is, really. It, it shouldn't be a mix of a bit of God and a bit of that old life, a bit of those ways and, and you know, a bit of like devoting myself to him. It shouldn't be a mix. It should be a complete change, a new creature, a new birth. That's what it should be. But salvation is not the only thing. There are some other things in our lives that also need to have this approach to claim a spiritual victory. We can't keep trying, trying, trying different ways and trying to hold on to things that are comfortable just because they're comfortable. We have to ask that hard question, does God want any of this in my life? Does he want any of it to breathe? 
Does he want me to even remember or see any of it at all? Because some things he's like, yeah, it's okay. And some things he's saying, no, just get rid of it. So we have to ask that question. We've got to approach and say, God, which, which one is it? How do you want me to approach this? Because sometimes it will require this. It might be time that you need to reclaim for his purposes. Something that's taking up your time that is, is, is not necessarily a bad thing, but it just needs to, it just needs to go. It needs to replace, be replaced with something that glorifies him. I don't know what it is. It could be a whole bunch of things for you, for me, but there's some things that are like this. So we need to ask that question. So rebuild. When we're approaching spiritual victory, rebuild. Last one is this. I'll be real quick. It says this. Uh, my point is this. When approaching victory or spiritual victory, reason. Reason. Num- uh, verse number 19 and 20. Last two verses of the chapter. It says this. When thou shalt besiege a city a long time in making war against it to take it, thou shalt not destroy the trees thereof by forcing an axe against them. For thou mayest eat of them, and thou shalt not cut them down, for the tree of the field is man's life to employ them in the siege. Verse 20, Only the trees which thou knowest that they be not trees for meat, thou shalt destroy and cut them down, and thou shalt build bulwarks against the city that maketh war with thee until it be subdued. Now that stuck out to me. He's like, what do you mean? So he's talking now about trees. But notice how he says in verse 19, when you're going to take a city and it's taking a long time, when there's a spiritual victory that you can uh, attain, but it's not a quick fix, it's something that's going to take a long time, then you need to approach that a little bit differently. You can't just go gung-ho with, you know, wheeling your axe and be like, okay, let's just eradicate this thing from my life. Sometimes you can, but sometimes things are going to take a long time. It's going to be a battle. It's going to be a couple of years. Like we have to be prepared for that. There's going to be changes God wants to make in your personal life, your family life, your ministry life, your work life, your church life that are going to take a long time. So we have to be prepared for that. And so what he's saying here is, you know, you're going to go through this area and there's going to be trees, all different kinds of trees. Some of them have fruit and some of them don't. Just don't cut down the ones that have fruit because this is going to take a long time and that's your sustenance. That, that's how you're going to be sustained through the battle. You're, you and those around you, family, friends, church members, they also need to be sustained through that battle. So make sure if you're going to cut stuff down for the battle, then take the ones that don't have fruit on them, take the ones that are not trees for fruit or for meat, just use them to build bulwarks. Use them to, to go against the, other, the city that you're trying to besiege. But make sure you keep the things that are going to sustain you for the battle. And you might say, well, oh, I'm pretty good, I can last. But can the ones that are with you last? Do they have the same energy and sustenance and all that? And can they do the same thing that you can do? I don't think so because we're all at different levels. And particularly if you're in a family, you know, if you've got younger ones, that they're not as strong as you. But even in a church setting, there's, you know, everyone's at a different stage. So if there's a spiritual victory to take place, we've got to be aware of those that are also that God's bringing along in that spiritual victory. So saying don't cut those ones out. Sustenance is important. Moving forward is important, but having sustenance for the battle is also important. And it's for the battle, but it's also for after the battle. 
like that thing takes place, but you still need a bit of sustenance. So just keep those things around and just be aware that not everything is a quick fix. You know, God does miracle. Like you see when God does a miracle in the Old Testament, even through Jesus in the New Testament, oftentimes or most times, his miracles are usually instant things. You know, he heals someone, they're healed. Like it didn't take five days. It didn't take 10 years. Like it was just an instant. But for us, when God's doing a change and he's testing us and there's trials and there's a challenge and he's trying to you know, mold us to be more like him, usually that takes time. Because that shows where our heart's at. It like gives time for him to work on us and work on the people around us and all that sort of stuff. So we need to go, okay, what's needed here? And we need to, to plan this one out just a little bit more and not just go gun-ho. So that's what I think he's getting at here when he's saying, really, timing is a key factor, that everything isn't just a quick fix. Uh, so reason, he'll help us reason things out. The Holy Spirit is required, a sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. Uh, how do I approach this battle? Because this one is going to be longer than that one. How do I approach this enemy or this spiritual victory? Because they are all different. So I hope that's a blessing and a help. Um, I enjoyed looking at this chapter. Um, there's a lot in there and there's probably a lot more that I didn't pull out. Um, but praise the Lord, that's the living word of God. You can get so much from one small passage. Um, but I pray that that's a help and uh, we're going to finish up tonight. So let's pray and then Caleb come back for a final song before we close off the service tonight. All right, let's pray. Dear Lord, Heavenly Father, we do thank you for your goodness to us. We thank you for each one uh, that you've brought across our paths, Lord God, that uh, we can be encouraged with and that we can also encourage. Uh, Father, I thank you for the power in your word. Uh, thank you, Lord, that we're able to look at it this evening uh, without any pressure from outside, Lord God, just to be able to meet as your people and uh, to learn and glean from you. And uh, Father, help us to be uh, victorious in the, the different things that are in our lives. Help us to claim those spiritual victories. Help us to be aware of how to approach them, Lord God. And I thank you that you always give us instruction, uh, that you do fight our battles for us. You do go with us and uh, you help us. And I thank you, Lord, for even just the fact that we can be part of a church uh, that desires to please you and uh, to seek your glory. So help us to go forward in this this week, Lord God. Uh, I pray that you give us victory in areas that we need. And uh, Father, I thank you for your goodness. I pray that you continue to bless those who are down in Sydney, uh, pastor and the young adults, Lord God. We do pray that you keep them safe, uh, bring them back safely as they travel. And uh, Lord, also just for the decisions that have been made, we ask that you'd help them to stay true to those things. Uh, Lord, that perhaps there's spiritual victories that they need in their lives. We just do pray that you'd help them with that. And uh, Lord, we do thank you, we love you, and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.